All right. Welcome to another episode of History After Hours via give my, Zoom. Give my thoughtful look. We're going to be thoughtful here. That's right. <laughs> Digital Zoom uh, podcasting now. I guess that's all the all the rave. Uh, I had, from the last one that we did, I had a lot of kids who were like, man, I like that better. <laughs> and and uh, uh, other other fans that we have, like my mom doesn't do uh, podcasting, but she'll watch us on YouTube, you know. So she's like, I really like seeing your faces. <laughs> mom. Hey. That sounds like a mom right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is September, not September, good grief. <laughs> it feels like September. I don't know where that came from. It's April, oh, April 30th. <laughs> If we're doing these in September like this, oh man. Oh. <laughs> um, so, so what, um, what day is it? It is April 30th. Hey, I saw an interesting quip about today. I, I think I sent this to y'all. Maybe I didn't. Uh, it was early. 45 years ago today is when Saigon fell and we were <laughs> finally escorted out of Vietnam. Yeah, I show a lot of pictures about that time period. You know, the helicopters, they're pushing off the aircraft carriers to make room and the, the last helicopter taking off from the embassy and then punching people. That was a, yeah. a crazy time. Uh, have wow. you guys ever seen, have you ever seen Ken Burns' uh, documentary on Vietnam? Yes. It's, it's a, it's a in-depth look. Yeah, buddy. It's, it's well done. I mean, that guy's good anyway, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, Nixon, have you seen it? I've seen parts of it. I haven't seen all of it. Yeah. Oh man, when you get to the when you get to the one labeled 1968, buckle up because that's a rough. <laughs> yeah, and he did a good job of balancing America perspective, but also the other perspective that we hardly ever hear—the pro-Northern Vietnamese communist Ho Chi Minh perspective. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was really well done, really well balanced. Um, so let's talk about our seniors. This is, uh, how about that? Think, think if you were a senior in high school, this is it. This, you're gearing up. This is your last year. You, you went through the first semester and then all this hits in the second semester and you miss the biggest stuff, the reward, the payoff, the proms, the graduation and what, you know, uh, the academic awards, the announcement of scholarships and the honor grad standing on stage. I mean, all of that got ripped away. I really feel for the seniors who, who, you know, of course, at least it's unique, I guess. <laughs> but what, what y'all's thoughts on our, our seniors and shout out to them? Well, I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with part of what you just said in, in my answer is that on one hand, I'm really sad that they're having to go through this. I'm sad that we're all having to go through it, you know, and, and especially these ones that are, I mean, some kids are like, I'm going to leave and I was going to leave no matter what was going on. And they're not really into the accolades, but so many of them that really, really are in the families. And it's such a, it's such a joyous celebration of accomplishments and, you know, and, and then on to the next thing. It's just, you know, you're closing this book and you're starting a new page somewhere else. And, you know, it's, it's, you, and so it's like, um, you don't get those, that feeling of finality. It's just sort of drifted away. And so I'm, I'm really me sort of melancholy about that because, because they didn't get, but at the same time, this is what I was tying up with what you said, like, uh, this is something that they're going to be able to step back later and go, you know, we were those kids, we were the ones and they're going to, and that's going to be like a badge of honor in, in, in some way later on. 
where they'll say, and especially when they have kids that are complaining about stuff, <laughs> you're, you're, like, you're like, you, you, you think you got it tough? Well, let me tell you about it. When I was a senior, you know, that's going to be their, their okay boomer moment, I think. Yeah, we had to release. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if y'all got the video where you could record yourself saying something to the seniors, and that was mm -hmm. kind of what I was saying uh, in my little short video. I said, you can tell your kids, like, you know, when I was a kid, we had to, leave, we couldn't even graduate. We had to leave to go fight a pandemic. You know, that's what. <laughs> and that just sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's heartbreaking um, for the kids who, and the families, like Ron said, who, who have been looking forward to this, who have built it up. Uh, who've been waiting for that, um, not just the graduation, but the awards ceremony and being recognized. And, you know, because we have so many people attend, those things are huge. Um, so I'm, in that respect, I am, uh, you know, I'm really bummed for them. And I know they're, well, at least at the beginning, we're really depressed. And, and I think they still are, but I think some of them are like, okay, next chapter. Um, yeah, so, yeah, some some are like yeah. that, but I mean, you have you have parents that come from all over the. I mean, parents. You have family members from all over the country, sometimes parents, um, to see this. Is it is it the graduation ceremony, the number one tra traditional ceremony for people under eighteen? Is there is there anything that can compares with graduate walking and graduation in high school? I don't. Mm, I haven't thought yeah, this maybe. through, but yeah. Cause you, you know, uh, when like we used to have it out on, on the football fields, you know, we would have it in the football right. stadiums or whatever, but then all of a sudden one year there's a tornado warning and you, you had to jam everybody into the gym and, you know, and then when, then we started doing these arenas, the schools that could afford it, it's just a huge deal is, you know, I remember being a stationed as a guard when we had to move graduation from the football field to inside. And I had to tell like old grandparents who drove from another state that they couldn't go in because it was full. And we had to set up an auxiliary camera in the, another part of the school so they could walk. But that's just how important it was for people all over. So this is going to be a weird thing to do it virtually. However, that yeah, I'm, I'm still not clear on how that's going to function. Uh, same thing with the award ceremony. I mean, I know we're going to, I don't know if we're going to pre-record things and they're going to stitch it all together or if they're, you know, or I don't know. I have, I have no real beat on this. And I, you know, I applaud all the people that are making those decisions because I don't know how you put that together. Uh, you know, they're earning yeah. their money for trying to get well, that done. From what I've heard, it's going to be, uh, we'll record audio and then that'll go over the, I don't know if it's a slide presentation or a video presentation or what, but we will record something. Um, I think I can say that without <laughs> spoiling things. I don't know. All right, so what do you think about uh, the idea of having that and then trying to do some sort of a traditional thing later on when we lift the restrictions on, on togetherness? Do, I mean, even if we have a, a graduation in June or, I mean, in uh, July, or they've said even if that doesn't work, then we could have a, a live one in around Christmas. I mean, even if we do that, do you think that, I mean, how many people will actually come? or could come you know yeah you know what i mean a lot I of kids are gonna get, go out of state you probably so get no 50 percent participation maybe you um, think? instead of 98 like normal yeah um I, I think the further you push it back the more likely it's um 
I don't want to say minimize because it's still a big deal, but you're right, less participation, uh, you're farther removed from the actual event, uh, maybe you've got a new job or maybe you're in college and things have changed. So uh, yeah, I mean, I understand that they want to have it and I, I say have it, but I, I don't know that it's going to be the same. Yeah, no, I, I agree that we should do it uh, for the ones that do want to participate and it'll, it'll still mean something, you know, what I'm, but at the same time, I don't know. And it may be one of those things where some students will have come to grips with what this is and have compartmentalized it in some way. And they don't want to reopen that, that, that yeah. wound, so to speak. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. I want to revisit it because it might just. What's interesting is graduation specifically is the one moment where a lot of students for a lot of students, they're the center of attention with thousands of people watching shaking the hand with their name called out they're walking in the, and everybody's focused on them and it's the only time in their whole lives where that many eyes are going to be focused on them i've thought about that before attending so many graduations over the years that for some of these students they're never going to have that moment you know even though it's minor as that might be to some people uh, but for other kids that's a big deal to have their name called with you know however many thousand yeah, people there but at the same time, it's, it's, you haven't canceled the entire year. I mean, they've right. still, you know, you've earned your diploma and it may not be the traditional way of receiving that accolade, but that in and of itself is an accomplishment. You're going to, you know, you're transitioning to the next thing. So we've, hopefully we can find in whatever we choose to do a way to still emphasize that, you know, you've, it's still, it's still an honor. It's still an award that you've earned, right? We're not just right. granting these out. You've earned this and, and, and you can still move on with your head held high based on that accomplishment. So it doesn't have to be just this one moment doesn't ruin all of that. It doesn't erase all of that. You know, yeah. it may not have, you may not get the same, the same sort of finished polished thing that you were hoping for, but it still happened. Yeah. And know? this is, this is a great senior class too. Oh yeah. You know, they're, they're yeah. a good class. Uh, of course, a lot of them are going to be leaving the state probably to go to college and, it, it would be hard to get them back and at any other time once 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 it's over you know uh, and of course for seniors this is their last week i guess tomorrow officially is their last day well okay so what would you do if, if this was you if you were the if you were a senior would you think about coming back would you want to to try to rehash it once you've already moved past it i think my parents would really have a good say in that <laughs> they'd probably be like yeah you're coming back <laughs> you know yeah. I, I would probably do it, you know, if they really wanted me to, but my mindset probably, no, nah, I don't care. You know, I'm good. I, I, another thing that backs up what I said a while ago is that uh, unlike some other schools in the area, we kept our seniors. Like they worked, they worked their way through. And so it's not like they, they, you know, it wasn't, they didn't abandon this process, you know, uh, a month and a half ago, you know, it, we, we, we carried on and, and, and to their credit, most of them did too. And so that's something to be proud of. Yeah. I was telling mine, it might be a, it might seem like a dubious award of, of sorts, but at the same time, like this is the distinction that like you persevered through this moment and that means something and you'll be able to hold on to that. And nobody else will have that. You'll be headed. And that'll make you, that's, that's a distinct, uh, uh, you know, a, in a, in a sense, an award for you in that aspect too. Like you did this, you know, you yeah. carried through. So yeah. So good for them. Well, yeah, well, I'm going to miss them. I'm going to miss all the, all that stuff. Of course, I didn't go to prom anyway, but, uh, but I do, you know, I'm going to miss that graduation ceremony and seeing them walk, but 
Um, hopefully virtually it'll work to some degree. And then if we can do it live, we'll do it live. Um, well, go ahead. I was just going to say this group that's graduating, they are the first class that I had when I got here. So my first group of 10th graders are, are going out the door. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been, it's been harder on me than I think it normally would be. Not that I'm, you know, I'm not sad when I, or I am sad when I see kids leave. I'm not trying to say that, but you know, that first group that you come through and that you know so well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm going to miss them. Yeah. They're you crazy. specifically, they, once, once you, got them in 10th grade they flock to you every year I know at lunch anytime they yeah y'all you built a special relationship and uh, yeah I guess that is because yeah. you had a lot of seniors in your classroom even if you didn't teach them coming yes. by and just saying hi and asking for yeah. advice so yeah yeah um well let's shift our conversation to what's dominating everything which is uh I think there's a virus going around um Still? Any, uh, yeah. Any noteworthy news that I have missed in the last week or is it more of the same craziness? I, you know, I try to keep up as much as I can, but kind of like you guys every now and then you just have to unplug and go like, okay, I can't, I can't watch every breaking news. Um, I'm curious as to how the, 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 the come back to life scenarios are going to work. And as we reopen America, you know, they love to brand it that getting back to work. And I am on one end, I agree that people need to go back to work and they need to earn a living and you don't want to have the economy continue to suffer and you want to make that happen smoothly. But, but at the same time, I'm worried about the, the safety and security measure in this. Like how much is too much? How fast is too fast? Uh, you don't want to, to go back down and make it even worse than it was before because now you, you know, people go, it's over. And then, you know, they go rushing back out into life. And then next thing you know, it's not over. And maybe, you know, because there's potential for rounds of this. Uh, pandemics tend to, tend to come in waves. And, and so I, that's, that's my biggest thing is that I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're making some decisions. And I'm glad they're kind of moving slowly. We're going to open this up and see how it goes. And we're going to, if that goes well, then we're going to open this up and see how that goes. Um, but there's going to be, I, I mean, take, be careful. You know, that's the thing. And I know people that are very against being cautious here. They're like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just, it's no, there are still those people that are like, it's like the flu. It's not like the flu. It's not like the flu. It's not like the flu. Please understand this. All right, watch the numbers, right? On a, on a bad flu season, we'll lose 50,000 people in a 12-month period. We've lost 60,000 in two and a half months. This is not the flu, right? Yeah, and it could be way worse too. Like yeah. it's it's not just a static thing where we're going to lose a certain percentage. It could get way worse, or it might be way better depending on our actions. And I, I I see people around here because we are a fairly rural state, and we haven't been hammered the way that other states have, and and partly because of our general distance from each other because of you know the lesser population, but also because we we implemented some distancing pretty quickly, um, and so that helps. I just don't want it to be, you know, I don't want to go, I was watching, we were talking about earlier, um, my wife and I were talking about Sweden and how they were like, yeah, well, it's let's, herd immunity. Let's burn it out. And those, but, but what you're really saying with the herd immunity quote is uh, let's, let's let the people who are going to die, just go ahead and die. That's kind of what you're saying. Like you're running a risk that you're spinning that roulette wheel and seeing where it lands and you're hoping that it puts in your number, right? 
uh, and you're you hope it lands in the in the place where you want it to but there's no guarantee it is a gamble and i'm not trying to be overly cautious but i am trying to be smart about this i'm even if they open things back up and you can i'm curious to what you guys think too even if they opened up the state today and said everybody back to business i don't know that i would be quick to jump right back out there or i mean i wear a mask if we if we do happen to go out i got one on and i don't care who you know, and I've, and we've not had anybody give us any kind of dirty looks or anything. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm 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 protecting you by wearing that mask because I don't know if I've got this or not. I hope I don't, but I don't know it. You don't know it. We don't know it. And so I think that a little bit of extra caution is not a problem. You know. Yeah, I think what worries me sort of most about it is if you look at the if you look at the testing numbers when they said we need to be testing this many people per day uh, to reopen safely. We're not anywhere near that. Um, the states around us are not anywhere near that. They're, they're less than half that, specifically in Texas. Um, so what now makes it safe? What has changed? You know, when you release those numbers and you said we need to be testing this many people or this percentage of people in order to safely reopen, um, was that just in inaccurate information? Did we not understand it, which this administration likes to tell us? <laughs> or is it just not safe and we're doing it anyway? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what, I think what we're all kind of saying is there's a balance somewhere. Obviously, yeah. if I didn't have a paycheck coming in because I'm a small business owner, I'm going to have a much different mindset about opening this thing back up because my family's, we don't have any money and things are getting rough. Mm -hmm. And obviously state by state, you know, if you're in a big city versus if you're in a small area, you know, outside of cities like we are in. And it's so it's going to be different. It's interesting how quickly it's not surprising that it got politicized. So if you if you start talking about reopening businesses or in any form, then somehow you're a Trump supporter and, you know, you're crazy. If you talk about people staying in their house, then you're anti-Trumper and you don't care about people's livelihoods or whatever. And, you know, yes, there's protests that were going on and people going, I need a haircut. Well, yeah, that's a crazy person who's worried about his hair, but not all the protesters were worried about their hair. Some had legitimate complaints um, about either sure. getting their stopping, you know, their check or, get, you know, surviving a family business that's been around for 40 years or what. It's, it, there's a weird balance I think that has to be really thought through and it I think it has to be a local state you know the federal government has to do whatever they can to help the places the hot spots but it is going to at some point become a local issue because every situation is different but I'm like you guys the you know when you start talking about hundreds of people gathering or even 20 or 30 people in one spot that's potential for disaster that you might not be able to stop but at the same time, if you don't open up the economy and the, you know, the, the food supply gets interrupted and 100,000 people starve because there's no food at the grocery store and we can't start planting a garden right now, like, we don't want that for sure. So we have to, you know, I don't know. I don't, I'm not smart enough to know the answer, but I do think there's somewhere in the middle we have to be thinking at this point. There was a small business owner, he's in California, CNN interviewed him today, and he's reopening his small business despite the order not to. And so they're asking him about it and why, and, you know, he's saying, I'll take the $1,000 a day fine. Um, 
And so I think you're right. I, you know, I, the one size fits all approach isn't going to work. Um, but how do you tell someone that it's their small business, it's their livelihood that no, you're just going to have to suffer. I think that, you know, the whole tagline of the president, the solution can't be worse than the problem. I really, really hate that. But <laughs> there's a, there's a kernel of truth in that too, because, you know, people die of starvation. Um, people get um, evicted from houses, even when they're not supposed to, they lose places to stay. Uh, so there are realistic concerns that we have to worry about in reopening. Yeah, I have a lot so. of musician friends that aren't technically small businesses. They survive on gigs and they're, yeah. they're pretty prominent, right? But so they're not getting the payment because they're not a small business or they don't, they don't get that payment. And, but all the bars and restaurants are closed down so they can't get gigs and that, you know, a lot of them have families uh, and I, and you know, that's, it's a really, you know, every family's different. Every family dynamic is different. We're a very diverse and huge country. So it's going to be interesting to see how this really over the next few months, I mean, they're saying what July, we're going to be good to go. <laughs> I, I don't know. How do you even police it though? Accurately. You can put these guidelines in place, but let's say, okay, we're going to open businesses, but you need to wear a mask. But if you don't wear a mask, there's nothing we can do about it. And if, I mean, and I'm not saying that we need some sort of totalitarian regime to tell us that we all have to wear a mask before we go outside. But at the same time, we're, we don't do a good job of practicing our, our, our social responsibilities towards one another. Like we're very obsessed with our own identities and our own wants and needs. And, and we want those fulfilled and, and, and we don't care seemingly that much about what that might mean to society as a whole or, you know, to, to the larger community. So uh, that's what I'm saying about if I go out, I'm, I'm trying to do a, that's a civic duty on my part to try to, to, you know, to wear something that's, and maybe that's the, maybe that's the best step forward and then we'll see how it goes. I just don't want to, I don't want to look back in six months and go, ha ha fools rushed in, you know, and then now we're burning bridges that we can't cross back over. And I, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not paranoid and I'm not a fear monger, but numbers don't lie. These numbers are scary. Yeah. Um, and once again, we love our freedom, right? We don't want some sort of mass surveillance to make sure that protocols are being followed because, you know, once this thing does blow over, they're not just going to go, okay, we'll, we'll take all the bugs off your phones. We'll let you know. I mean, they're going to keep that. I don't, no one likes Big Brother looking over our, I mean, we're America. We're not used to that. But there's a level of that to make sure people are safe because that is the main responsibility of the federal government and is to keep people safe. So it's like we're going to have to give up some of the, you know, freedom, I guess. To okay, but all right. So let me, let me throw this in here because this fits into right what we're talking about. Okay, yesterday or last night or forget when, I guess it was just within the last 24 hours. In New York, we had, uh, um, uh, was it Mayor, is it, is it, what's his name, de Blasio? Is that de Blasio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, so. Uh, when they had in the uh, Hasidic Jewish communities, they've been having large gatherings and there was one yesterday about a big funeral and they were like, look, you can't be doing this. It's not safe for y'all. And they're doing it anyway, doing it anyway. And so what's he do? He sends out the police to try to look, we're going to escort you off the streets and you need to get out of here because it's not safe for you. And then the next thing you know, they start threatening to arrest people. And I'm not sure if they did arrest people last night or not, but anyway, they, they sent people away. I do know that. And then he comes out and makes a statement. It's like, he, I think he, I think he, puts it out there on Twitter and also he makes a public statement as well. I don't care who you are. I don't care what group you are, 
but you cannot gather in these large things. And I'm going to use the police to make sure that like they're going to try to police it more effectively because, and especially in New York, right? It is the hotspot epicenter for the country with, you know, several hundred people a day dying and the hospitals are, are swamped. You know, the, the levees have been breached in New York, right? Yeah. Uh, bodies piled up and they, they run out of freezer space for them, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, but then he gets this ma- major backlash on Twitter this morning. People are like, oh, de Blasio's anti-Semitic and, and, and they're calling for him to be outed because I can't believe that in America you, you hear an official saying, we're going to arrest the Jews. Okay, well, he did say he was directly talking to the group that had been breaking the social distancing rules that he, he's trying to use to protect the city. He directly commented to them. He said, but any other group, it's not, he's not just targeting them. And I wonder, did you guys see that? Or what do you have, what, what do you think about that? Because he's had to try to be, if you're not going to control yourself, then isn't it the government's responsibility to try to put some restrictions in place? Because it is about the society, not just about the individual. We want individual freedoms, but society matters too. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, from what I heard, there were um, no arrests at the time, but they've issued 12 summons after the fact. So like a criminal complaint has been filed. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that, though. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's kind of ridiculous that he's being lambasted for targeting a group because I don't think he was. Uh, I think he would not religiously anyway. He was targeting a group of people who violated social distancing. Uh, you know, there's and this is probably too technical but you know the Supreme Court has has for a long time said laws that are generally applicable that don't target a specific religion are fine um, even if that has an incidental effect on the religion Um, as long as we're not intentionally trying to disenfranchise a group or to um, say they can't go to church or say they can't practice I mean unless we're taking away some core, core right on purpose incidental restrictions happen so that you know I all this to me it's sort of ludicrous honestly (laughs) that's what's getting thrown back at him but yeah but it is interesting thinking of the and this is your expertise is the legality of a lot of these rules and regs will kind of fly in the face of assembly you know freedom of religion it Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you look at it more from a federal level if some of these regulations should be passed at a federal level and taking the pressure off the state, or should this be handled simply by the state in their court system? Where, where do you fall as far as like uh, people assembling at, uh, 100 or more or something like that? Is it, is, it, is it better to be handled, some of that big stuff to be handled just at the federal level to, to leave the states out of it? Well, there's, you run into a problem constitutionally with that. Um, because Congress doesn't have a general um, power for health and safety that's reserved to the states. Um, so that gets trickier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, do I think they could pass it possibly? Do I think it would be constitutional? I don't, that's a better question. Um, You'd also have governors I, protesting depending yeah. on the, what the regulation was passed by the federal government. But it seems like also maybe yeah. this would be more of an executive where you wouldn't yeah. have an actual bill. Yeah, I think the president could probably do something. He has so many expanded powers in times of crisis that I honestly think that he could do more and I don't want to say get away with it, but <laughs> but have it be Legitimate. foundationally okay, yeah. 
um, than than Congress. And plus, when you when Congress does it, it feels more um, permanent because then it would have to be repealed. Whereas the executive, if he issued an executive order, it could be temporary, or he could put a um, you know put a time limit on it, or he can you know repeal it with this you know stroke of a pen. Um, I, but I think you're going to have concerns, whether it's Congress or the president, if there was a nationwide order, um, because, you know, typically if you're a really strict um, constructionist on federalism, that's that's a state function. Yeah. And that's one thing that Trump has said over and over. State function, state function. And he's used it both as a cop out and he's used it in many ways legitimately that because health and safety uh, and the general police power has historically been the state. Um, so doesn't I don't this, have a good answer. Does this also fall back on the protesting that we were talking about a while ago? So forget why you're assembling. If you're assembling and you're creating a scenario that is even potentially dangerous to, and you defy those orders. I mean, absolutely in absolute defiance of the governor saying that we have to have these distancing rules in place in order to save the, the the society and then you keep on doing it at what point like how, how long do you think that they would they would tolerate those even protests and again you have the right to protest you have the right to assemble but peaceably and if you're putting public health at risk then you're no longer peaceably assembling right yeah yeah well yeah. and if you look at the best analogy i would have would be wartime protests and if you look back at the old um you know, fire in the crowded theater um, analogy, or if you look at clear and present danger, I mean, you could argue that in times of a pandemic, um, I mean, the president has called it war, right? Mm -hmm. So you can make the analogies that maybe we don't have as strong a First Amendment rights when there's a crisis, because the court has said okay to that a few times. Um, what I've, and I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, what I have found so fascinating about this time period is Trump has had a history of overstepping presidential norms and bounds and powers, uh, you know, in regards to voting or Ukraine. We could go down the list of the Mueller report. He seems like he's always in violation of his powers, what he legitimately should be doing. Except in this case, his criticism is he hasn't done near enough, that he's been pushing it off on the states. And I think we talked about he doesn't want to end up being blamed for this if it goes sideways. But I, I don't hear hardly any criticism of people saying he's done too much, which is odd considering the past is, political past we've had. How has it not already gone sideways is my question. Like I saw Jared Kushner last night saying, oh, you know, things are going great. No, they're not. No, they're really not. Well, How it depends on the, yeah. Did you, I just watched a blurb from Fox News. I think it was um, Tucker Carlson his opening thing was showing Obama at a golf course saying how is now they're, you know, they're talking about staying in your house and here's Obama out on a golf course. And, and then if you got Pence walking around the Mayo Clinic without a mask, and it's just, I think everybody's already in their box and they, they've already went, you know, Trump's, this is the greatest response ever, or <laughs> he's, he's bungled it like he bungles everything. I don't think there's any, you know, middle ground on it's my, politicized, you know, my biggest complaint about the whole situation is that I don't like the, the, the fact that the States have had to compete with each other for resources. I that think was, I mentioned that last time. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that, that to me was a problem because then you are not only jacking up the price and enriching it's like, it's like a price gouging scheme almost in the, in a moment of crisis. 
and you are keeping smaller states like ours from being able to access some of the things that they need. We do. I mean, we don't have it. It's not pandemic mode here in this state. You know, I mean, we're not, right. our hospitals are not overflowing with sick patients. We don't have, you know, I think we got what 30 people on respirators, which is a horrible number, but at the same time, it's not nearly compared to what we see in, in other places. Uh, we're, we're not over capacity. We're not over identified. We're not, we're not flooded with, with the illness. Uh, and we hope that we won't be, but at the same time, if we, based on the needs that we did have and the request that we made, like we were having to, to borrow, beg and steal perhaps to try to weasel out or eke out a, a protection for our own people while the bigger states are out there, you know, fighting amongst themselves as well. Plus FEMA's trying to fight with us and we're trying to get stuff from out of state. Like why? And then, and then what that comes down to is that if people who do, people who do need the equipment, whether it's the PPE or whether it's the testing or whatever, you don't have it. You don't have it when you need it. And therefore we don't know how bad it is or could get worse. How are we going to keep a finger on the pulse if we don't have all the testing? And if we're having to compete for the tests, even yeah. like where are we, you know, that's, so that's my complaint, uh, you know, and, and, and seemingly just throwing it back on the States going, oh, well, you'll figure it out. I just don't, I don't like that. Uh, the shrug from the federal government, um, and saying, well, it'll, you know, whatever, case Sarah, Sarah, you know. I think what irritates me about that whole situation is that interstate commerce is supposed to be like the one area that everybody agrees the federal government can do something. Yeah. It just drives me insane because that was part of the problem in the Articles of Confederation, the states just wreaking havoc on each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what's essentially happening now when the federal government didn't intervene in that situation. I, it just baffled me. Um, and it's going to end up costing our state more than it should. That's the other point. When I talk about the prices being driven up, like where uh, prices for some of this equipment has more than quadrupled and, and it's going to cost us millions more dollars to get what we needed, which would have cost us much, much less if they hadn't gone that particular direction. And every state's facing the same thing. So where's that money going? Who, who's, who's milking the system in a time of crisis in that should be criminal in my opinion. Well, I, this is my biggest fear. It started in late 2015. We were talking about if there's a terrorist attack or if there's something big, if there's a crisis involved, do we really want Trump to be president? I mean, I've always said if he does something right, it's by accident. And I didn't want the man with the thinnest skin to be in charge of everything if something really serious happens. We had gotten really lucky for three years. We didn't have anything major. I mean, we've had some North Korea stuff, but he escalated a lot of that with just his rhetoric but this is a global serious thing and i think you're right i think he's screwed it up since the beginning um one thing at, at least to a degree he has remained calm and optimistic which are two qualities you want in a leader during a crisis calm and optimistic um so that as long as you don't quote him from the day before yeah yeah and yeah you don't want to take you don't want to fact check that but you know, when he tells you why he's calm and optimistic, you don't want to go that far. <laughs> well, but, and, and so that part of what I was saying was directed just at federal government in general, but now directly pointed at the president specifically is just the complete unwillingness to stand behind what his experts are saying and just going off on these weird tangents and they'll say one thing and he'll come back and say, no, it's not. And then they'll come back and say, well, yes, it is. And he's arguing with them. And then when they do put a policy out there, he goes and, and, and has a countermeasure to that. Like they say, you shouldn't be out there 
we, 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 we should expand out the, the social distancing. We should expand out the restrictions. And he comes right back behind him going, nah, I don't think that's a good plan. I'm not going to wear a mask. Pence isn't going to wear a mask. You know, and so don't you think like you think- they're talking against themselves. And so I think that that's that that double speak. You can't be you can't be the government and anti-government at the same time. Can you? Well, don't you think the harshest measures that the scientists want to put in place are really focused on the cities like L.A., San Francisco, New York, whatever. Trump knows where his support comes from, which is not mm-hmm. the cities. So he has to kind of play double side here. He lets the scientists say the stuff we need to do to be safe, but then he has to kind of also put a catch in there like, yeah, but you know, you can kind of go, cause he wants, cause he knows where his bread and butter is. I, I think this double speak is something he's doing to keep his base kind of, you know, cause he can't go all in with the scientists or then he's just, that's where his city support, you know. Well, it's drain the swamp part two. Um, you know, how, how ironic was that? Because he is the swamp and he is corruption. Um, but he gets away with it. And it's, it's amazing to me. Um, former student just sent me this about multiple armed gunmen storm Michigan State House. State police are protecting Govern- Governor Whitmer and blocking the gunmen from gaining access to the House floor. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. All right, let's Twitter that show real quick. What's happening here? Uh, yeah, that's where I got it. <laughs> uh, Real-time news, baby. All right, let's see what's happening here. Uh, uh, nothing there. That's about Johnson or something. All right, check out something else. That is kind of the the fear is how if you do re, uh, get, you know, loosen restrictions, people start gathering, the pandemic gets worse. we got to quarantine again. It extends everything yeah. by six months. Things could get desperate for a big chunk of our population. So, you know... Well, and this whole free America and liberate the states, I mean, this is where it ends up. If this is, if this is really what happened, then armed gunmen stormed the governor's office. Um, I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's no deniability here that that, that right. was a direct link. Um, I'm not saying anything on that. Uh, well, looking. we only have a few more minutes. I'll yeah, no, no, you... I, yeah, that's fine. I just, oh, no, Michigan protest. Here's something from Maybe isolated incident, I hope. Heavily armed people storming a government building. Okay. It's, uh, people are saying it's not a protest. It's an actual attack. What? Okay. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. All right, we're going to yeah, need to investigate that. That's crazy. All right. Hmm. All right. Well, my last little uh, okay. thing. Oh, oh go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say our last little thing. I, I do kind of want to get your opinion on the social distancing in schools. That's I saw a blurb about. I don't know if one of you guys text me or what was that about? Nixon, yeah, yeah. CDC and I haven't gotten to read all of them, but they put out um, they're putting out reopening guidelines or you know <clears throat> they don't call them rules because they don't want the federal government you know overstepping. But uh, one of them is that schools, if you do reopen or if if students come back, it does need to be six feet apart. Um, <laughs> Just think about kids, like 10-year-olds. How do you get 10-year-olds? Six? What, what school, and think about your room. Can you put 25 to 30 students six feet apart in the space that you have? Lord, no. No. no I can't do it. <laughs> I mean, what you have to do like is you have to, students? you have to create a crown with two-inch swords, or three, I mean, three-feet <laughs> swords. <coming out. laughs> yeah, no, that, that was, that's, that's completely stupid. Yeah. That's 
not feasible for anybody, even a school our size. And we're not gigantic by any means, but still, you know, no, but, uh, so what's, small schools not even. Uh, let me. I, I want to. I want to throw one more thing. Oh, no, two things, real quick. Before I know yeah. we're going to wrap up. But number one is Kim Jong Un alive or dead? I honestly think he's dead. <laughs> uh, I, I have no inside information, obviously. But I think. I think he's. I think he's dead. I think he might be dead. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not. That's just com just complete guesswork. They're like, no, he's just uh, really, really asleep. <laughs> <laughs> he's just really, he's taking a power nap. Like the glorious leader he is, everything well, has to be done. With. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, um, I had a kid ask me this earlier today. What do you think about the government, the U.S. military, and then government releasing the UFO video and declassifying that and going, yeah, well, you know, unidentified flying objects, it's a thing. What do you think about that after years of denial? It'll just add to the pandemic. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the same thing as admitting there's aliens. I'm not, say <laughs> I'm not saying it's the same thing as admitting there are aliens. Right. <laughs> but there is some stuff we have not identified. <laughs> have you seen the video, though? Yeah. Have you seen the video of the object? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and the pilots are like, what is that? What is it? What is that? And then you know it's a long, long video actually. Oh, I have. Seen I don't know. Like, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, it moves in ways that don't move in the physical universe as far as we know it. You know, and it's creepy, but I don't know what it is. That's yeah. why it's unidentified. You know, I just wonder. Yeah. Governments have a interesting timing. Of, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Governments have a history of um, taking out the trash, meaning putting stories that they don't want to have a lot of coverage out in times of, you know, crisis or peril or. Yeah, uh, so this could be it. This very be. interesting timing. All those old school conspiracy people back in the <laughs> area 50. I knew it. I caught it. <laughs> they, they got the biggest I told you so ever. All those, all those kids that were going to storm area 51 last year are going <laughs> to get back up now. Yeah. Wearing their mask, but they're going. <laughs> Put your mask on. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's it. Um, thank you all for hanging out. And uh, we will do this again soon. And y'all stay away from a virus. See y'all on the flip flop. <laughs> <laughs>